Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we react to more of your voicemails about the Bucks' loss to the New York Giants. It's a new football season. Le'Veon Bell is with the New York Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But one thing hasn't changed, and that is that my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, you can double your first deposit with a first deposit bonus worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim your bonus. You bet, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, it's Leighton in Tampa after a disappointing loss. This has been Chris Thompson and he talked about execution, which I put stock into that too, but I also believe that play calling for some reason changed it at the beginning of the third quarter. That's both offensive and defensive, and I think that had just as much to do with any uh, with the way the game turned out as anything. Yes, Matt game is three total kicks. But either way, um, those things happen. But like I said, I think it's more of a whatever they decided to do coming out of the half. And I think that was part part of the issue. Um, anyway, those are my thoughts. Um, as always, go Bucks and have a good, good night. Hey guys, it's Chef Aaron 26. How is that even possible? How is it that you have a quarter, an inconsistent quarterback, have probably his best game, one of his best games of his career? You have a, a premier wide receiver go for 200 yards and three touchdowns. You have Shaq Barrett have a career high four sacks, and you also have your running game go over 100 yards, and yet you still lose to a rookie quarterback, a weak wide receiver core and a team without its best player and could possibly the best running back in the NFL. No other team can do this but the Bucs. I don't know what B.A. was thinking. You don't take a penalty to move you back up or move you behind. I mean, that made that makes actually absolutely no sense. You had, what, 18 seconds left? You give it to Mike Evans, who was torching Janoris all day. The conservatism of coaching drives me insane. Conservatism kills. If you want to be the best, you keep your foot on the opponent's neck and you never let up. What a way to lose, and it's a bunch life. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Josh from Georgia. Man, very disappointing game, you know. Played a great first half offensively and defensively. Second half, man, we just took our foot off the gas. Plain and simple, we got complacent. And, you know, we thought we had to leave. And then we played we, we played too uh, conservative. And we just, you know, stuck to the run a little, I think, too much. Um, I think we should have took some deep shots downfield. And, 
Jameis holding on to the ball a little too long, getting sacked. Um, all in all, I'd say the worst part of it, just the second half of just getting complacent, man, and, and just not taking big shots. You know, I understand the big lead, but, you know, you can never take the foot off the gas, especially after um, Jones threw that touchdown pass to Ingram. You got to match that intensity. Um, love the podcast, guys. Keep it going and let me know your thoughts on that. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Big thank you to Layton, Chef, and Josh, who kicked off this episode with kind of a uh, kind of a common theme, David. Yeah, you caught that, did you? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, granted, there's been a common theme throughout Bucks Twitter all day, and that is just sadness, disappointment, and frustration. Um, but let's go ahead and, and and dive into some of these calls. In yeah, some of it we touched on yesterday, but I'll uh, I will I will give the floor to you, sir, and, and allow you to uh, to go first on this one. Yeah, as as far as the Buccaneers coming out in the second half being complacent. Listen, I still, I mean, so the Buccaneers definitely ran the ball more in in the beginning part of the second half than I thought they did yesterday when we talked. Um, I, you know, again, we when we when we were on yesterday's episode talking about immediate reactions and stuff like that. However, if you go back and, and James, I was kind of finishing up watching some last second things before we started recording uh, when we jumped on the line together. And I mean, the in the first possession of the second half for the Buccaneers, they hit Mike Evans or uh, OJ Howard rather, sorry, on an 18 yard pass. And then you look at the second drive of the game and the Buccaneers had kind of a high low route combination with Brashad Perryman and Mike Evans that Jameis targeted Janoris Jenkins on, which was Brashad Perryman. Now, the problem is he waited too long. He threw it too late. And it turns out, I mean, again, I haven't seen the 22 to confirm, but from what I saw, Mike Evans was actually coming open um, over the top of that route if, if Jameis would have hit him there. But he was targeting Janoris Jenkins because, like we kind of talked about yesterday, all the success they had against Jenkins yesterday. And then you go to the end of the second possession of the second half after they had scored, after the Giants had scored another uh, three points on top of the touchdown they scored earlier. And Jameis Winston's first sack that he takes is because his eyes are downfield and he's looking to try to get the ball downfield. So, I mean, while the Buccaneers ran more in the beginning of the second half than even I was aware of, um, and people are definitely correct about that, I want to say out of like the first six plays, I think four of them were run plays. Uh, what it set them up with was third and three on that incompletion of Rashad Perryman and then a very manageable uh, situation on the second drive as well, just leading, you know, with James unfortunately took that sack and that's kind of where everything fell apart on that drive. But it was still, there was still a balanced attack there. The run game was doing well and getting yards and setting up attainable downs. I don't think that Byron Leftwich came in with a purely let's melt the clock type of mindset. I think what happened is that what we talked about it again. I mean, like Jameis went again, just kind of going back to that Janoris Jenkins. Like he's so fixated on trying to attack, attack Janoris Jenkins. That's what we've been praising leading into this game was the fact that we're not targeting Mike Evans. We're not targeting OJ Howard. We're not, you know, looking to get Chris Godwin going. We're looking for the open man. We're looking for how the defense plays our formation and our routes. And we're going to take advantage of what they leave open. Well, in those couple of, of situations right there in the early part of the third quarter, those first two possessions where the Buccaneers could have taken 
a lot of that momentum back in the in the early part of the second half. We see Jameis Winston kind of getting fixated on a couple things. One, getting fixated on hitting uh, or on uh, exploiting Janoris Jenkins, and then two, fixating with the downfield pass versus a short dump off uh, and outlet. And if you go back to that sack, you see the dude's got green ahead of him for days. Um, if he just pulls the ball down, dedicates himself to running the ball out of there, I don't know that he gets a first down, but he doesn't take a sack. And, you know, again, the field position game ends up a little bit different potentially. So, I mean, just things like they're nitpicky things, but that that's kind of what the second episode is for is to get a little bit deeper into the weeds because nobody's perfect, right? So not by any means putting this loss on Jameis Winston, but just in those first couple iterations, talking about the aggressiveness of Byron Leftwich, the pass play, the, pla- the pass design or the play designs and the calls were there for the Buccaneers to be aggressive and continue doing some of the things that were successful in the first half. They just didn't work from an execution standpoint. Yeah, well, and, and you go back to uh, a few of the callers pointing out the the conservative approach. Here's here's something that I took issue with, and, and I'm, I'm curious if, if you take issue with it as well. Following Jameis's interception, you know, I, we talked about it yesterday. The, the Bucs immediately force a fumble, get the ball back on the Giants' side of the field. Here's here's the, the play breakdown F- on that drive following Jameis's interception. Ronald Jones' run gains five. Ronald Jones' run gains 13. Ronald Jones' run gains seven. Ronald Jones' run gains four. Ronald Jones' run gains six. Ronald Jones run gains two. At this point, they are at the five-yard line, and it's a third and two. From the five-yard line, Peyton Barber run gains nothing. They did not allow Jameis Winston to throw a pass for until 10 plays after his interception. And I realize on that drive that Ronald Jones was running really well. He was averaging something like six and a half yards a carry, uh, 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 yeah, a carry during that drive, which begs the question: Number one, why did you take him out on third and two? Maybe he needed a breather. If that's the case, let Jameis throw the ball. You're five yards away. But why are you not immediately following that interception? giving Jameis some sort of simple, quick, high-percentage pass, whether it's to OJ, whether it's a dump-off to Rojo, whether it's to Evans, who had been dominating Jenkins all day, and that was obviously kind of their mode of attack where they wanted to focus on attacking Jenkins. Why not give him a quick, easy pass to get that interception out of his brain? Instead, you go an entire drive and then two more plays into the next drive before you call a pass play, there was not some insurmountable lead that the Bucks had that you're you're trying to milk the clock here. They had to put points on the board. And they come away with a field goal instead of a touchdown because they decided to run the ball seven straight times. It just it, it I'm with I'm with Chef on that. Stuff like that drives me absolutely insane. So generally speaking, yeah, conservative play calling, you know, trying to milk the clock, especially in the third quarter, I don't care how big your lead is, uh, drives me crazy. But 
I don't know, man. Like I still, I mean, maybe I'm just being a, a leadership apologist or a coach apologist, whatever you want to call it, man. But I look at that drive specifically, right? I mean, these dudes, they gained 37 yards in what? Five, five carries, five runs. You know what I mean? To get down inside uh, the Giants 10 yard line. Uh, it was five or six runs. And so once you're, I mean, once you're inside the 10 yard line, like Byron and Leftwich isn't calling plays to milk the clock inside the 10 yard line. And I don't think he was calling like he stuck with the run. It kind of reminds me of a story. So I know you love Ohio state, right? So oh, Jim Trestle, favorite. Uh, Jim Trestle, former Ohio state head coach. Listen, you don't have to like the school, but just listen to the story. Okay. Jim Trestle, former Ohio state head coach, a uh, head football coach. I'm pretty sure now he's, he's got like a highfalutin job with Youngstown state. When he was an offense coordinator, I believe, with Youngstown State, uh, he was calling plays. And there was there was a time where he kept calling the exact same run play over and over and over and over again. And at some point, I don't know how many times he ran it, but at some point his head coach got on the headset and said, Jim, when are we going to do something different? And he said, when they stop this, we'll do something different. And sometimes, and like that's kind of what we talked about, like with the whole you know delay game and all this, like sometimes you can get too cute for your own good. Well, sometimes right when as as a coach and as an offense coordinator as a play caller you can get away from what's working because you don't want to get too repetitive well if what you're doing repetitively is working then why not stick with it and on that drive right like if if this had been the pattern you know what i mean if they'd come out and run you know three straight runs on every possession to start the you know what i mean it, it might be a little bit different for me but this is the only drive where we kind of really see this just full blown dedication to the run but like you said I mean, he gains five. So on second and five, why not give the dude uh, Ronald Jones the ball again? You're in. You're in field goal. What would be considered field goal striking range for Mackey at the at the Giants' thirty-seven. So give him the ball again. Worst case scenario is you get stopped at the line, maybe a one-yard loss. You're still in, you know, theoretical field goal position, and you've got a manageable third down for your quarterback. Best case scenario is you get a chunk play, right? Thirteen yards on that gain. So now you just gash him for eighteen yards on two plays. You hand it to him again. He gets seven more. Then he gets four more. Then he gets six more. Like. Why go away from it? I think Ronald Jones comes off the field because he's probably gassed after all those runs. And the run to Peyton Barber, just just for, to play the devil's advocate, right, was an RPO. So the fact that they ran it was Jameis's decision. Like, he could have passed it. Jameis had the option to pass it. And, and Bruce, on uh, his press conference today, Bruce talked about that there was a pass call audible built into that RPO, but that Jameis didn't call it. So whatever Jameis saw... Um, and I haven't wa- gone back and watched that Peyton Barber run specifically. Um, whatever Jameis saw when he came to the line made him feel confident as a quarterback that taking that going with with Peyton, which is the initial like it's an RPO. But I think the way Bruce mapped it out is the the call coming to the line is Barber, but it's an RPO. It's an R- There's an RPO option there. There's the option for Jameis to check into uh, a pass player, you know, go to the play action or something like that. And I agree. I mean, third and two from the five, I think the Giants bite on play action all day. Um, but for whatever reason, Jameis got to the line, saw what the Giants had, and thought that the look matched what they wanted, gave it to Peyton. It just didn't work out. Um, but again, from an aggression standpoint, uh, I don't think that series is necessarily Byron Leftwich trying to be conservative. I think it's Byron Leftwich saying, this is working, and it just so happens to have the added frosting of playing into our hand by melting some of the clock down. Um, had you know, had that first run been like one yard, 
and then second and nine, you get two yards, and then third and seven, you run it again. Now I get the frustration. You know what I'm saying? But getting those chunk yard plays, getting those big plays, setting up those second and short downs, I mean, at that point in the game, it's like at least for at least for that possession, it's like there's no reason to go away from the run. And if 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 it had worked, you know what I mean, then everybody would be like, oh man, how impressive is it that the Buccaneers offense just ran the ball down the Giants' throat? But it didn't work. So, you know, that's why we're talking about the way we are now. History, history and hindsight are 2020. So we can we can do that. But um I don't believe the intention of Byron Left, which was let's burn as much clock as we can. I, I think it was, this is working. We're getting lots of yards. Let's keep doing it until they stop it. It's just so what happens that they stopped it. And then, you know, again, I mean, the RPO was called in. So the pass option was there. Winston just didn't take it. You know, that that very well could be a fair point. I may be a little, a little overcritical because of the fashion in which they lost. But you brought up a really good point, you know, during, during your kind of defense of, of, that particular series and that is you run and you run and you run and you run. Why not try a play action in there? Because obviously the giants were going to bite. They had seen Rojo get the ball all those times in a row. And I just, yeah, Mm -hmm. if, if it, if it works, we're having a completely different conversation. I understand that. You know, if some butts were candy and nuts, it'd be Christmas every day. Um, but then you go into the next series. That would where, be really annoying, by the way. Christmas every day would suck. Anyway, sorry. In the it'd next be series. really expensive. We're going to disagree on the next series, too, by the way. I can feel it. Okay. <laughs> you go into the next series. Uh-huh. A game-winning or losing series. Yep. You get one first down and you are winning this game. Basically mm-hmm. like you can milk this all the way down and you don't throw the ball until third down, which I get that one. I, I get, okay. You're, you're trying to keep the clock moving. You're preaching ball security. I understand all that. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is throwing the ball short of the sticks when you only had to gain what was it two yards two yards yep and you throw the ball short of the sticks Mm -hmm. you have to get a first down there that situational awareness football 101 you have to get that ball past the first down marker and then you can continue to just feed rojo like he's a 600 pound guy at the golden corral just feed him Mm-hmm. But you have to get that first down. Anytime there is a crucial situation in a game and a team has to get a first down and they opt to throw the ball short of the first down marker, I just shake my head in frustration and bewilderment. It was like, yeah. let's let's rewind the clock and then I'll let you get to it. And I know we have more voicemails to get to. And, and this mm-hmm. opening segment has gone really long. Mm-hmm. It takes me back to the Rams-Titans Super Bowl. They were one yard short. They had one play left. You know you have to get to the end zone. And you come up one yard short because you threw it short of the sticks. It just makes me shake my head, man. But by all means, disagree with me. I can take it. All right. So this next possession that we're talking about, right, is so the Buccaneers drive the ball. Uh, They get the whatever, 37 yards on five or six carries from Ronald Jones. 
And then they call the RPO. Winston hands it to Barber. He gets stuffed. They get the field goal. Six-point lead. Giants get the ball back. Uh, three and out. Yep. Yeah. That was the defense's third straight forced three and out. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the Giants go three and out, give the ball back to the Bucks. In time, the Giants only had one tight end or timeout left because they had burned one on the challenge. I think they burned another one. I can't remember exactly, but they had one or two timeouts left. Either way, uh, under five minutes. First down, Ronald Jones gets eight yards on, on first and ten. Second and two, uh, Jones gets no yards. And then they come up with that pass. So here's where I I if I have my first disagreement with Byron Leftwich on this and where you and I are going to disagree. They need to run the say ball. They should have run the ball. Yeah. And I don't you have, I don't disagree with that at all. Right. Listen, on the six runs that you gave Ronald Jones on the possession prior, like this just happened. This isn't first quarter or last week against Carolina. This just happened. Ronald Jones ran six times. If you count these two carries, Ronald Jones carried the ball eight times against this Giants defense here in the last two offensive possessions before that last one for the game winner uh, to try to set up the game winner. Third and two. Out of those eight runs, the Giants held Ronald Jones under two yards gained once. And it was that second down play. Yeah. So this is a guy. So you have, if you're Byron Leftwich, you have six plays that your team just executed against this defense to choose from with a running back that has been gashing them. Run the stinking ball. That's that's my first point. My second point is this. I need you to do me a favor for this. And you know what? I'm going to ask our listeners if you're not a, if you're not if you're in a position where you can do it, I want you to join in here. James, I need you to pull up nfl.com and go to the Buccaneers and Giants game center. Okay, I'm I am there. Bucks Giants Game Center uh nfl.com. Got it. All right. Scroll down to that drive, the drive that we're talking about right now and expand it. This would be the uh the punt and we are expanding because it just so happens that that third and two pass to Cameron Bray is the game highlight that nfl.com has linked to this drive. Yes. Yes it is. So watch that play, right? And do it with your with your keen analytical football media mind <clears throat> tell me what you see i see a lexus you see you see a commercial after the commercial see. oh okay <laughs> <laughs> all right um so you have camera Bray lined up in the backfield mm-hmm. and it's a swing pass uh-huh. and it's snuffed out immediately uh-huh look at that pass though Go back to that throw. I, I hit replay, and it, it's replay. It's replaying a 15-second commercial for a four-second clip. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. That's because you let it get to the end of the clip in the first place. Don't let it get to the end of the clip. Basically, here's what I'm getting at. If you watch the clip, Jameis Winston right, puts way more touch on that pass than he needs to. Cameron Brake comes out into the into the flat comes out on his swing pass right turns for the ball and you literally see him shuffle step because he's waiting for that ball to get there football is a game of, game of inches this is a two-yard play they gained one so you needed three feet you needed three more feet to i don't i mean i don't want to say ice the game you know what i mean but you're if you get that three feet your next snap happens under the three minute mark 
Jameis Winston lobs that pass into Cameron Brate's arms, basically like it's a foregone conclusion. You know what I mean? The the throw itself doesn't have much urgency. It forces Cam Brate to shuffle step as he's waiting for the ball. Because he has to shuffle step, Michael Thompson throws that ball in there with a little bit of pep. Not zip. It's a really close pass. So don't zip it in there, but put some pepper on that thing. And he gets it to Cam Brate as Cam Brate's turning, looking for that ball. Cam Brate grabs that pass. He turns up field. How many times have we seen it? He sees Michael Thomas coming, and he can either take an outside angle that allows him to take the hit and use forward momentum progress or forward progress to get over the first down marker, or he makes Michael Thomas miss completely. And now we're setting up uh, the next, you know, the next offensive play near midfield or, or better. You know what I mean? Do, do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So again, and listen, guys, I'm not blaming this loss on Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston played his guts out. Okay. And I know this episode is going to kind of so far, the few things that I've pointed out have largely been criticism of Jameis Winston, but he's the only guy on the field that touches the ball in every play. But the, but the narrative right now that's going on is that these coaches did something to these players that led them to lose this game. And so that's all I'm really trying to point out is there was a chunk play in the very first possession of the second half for the Buccaneers offense on a pass play. There was the opportunity to hit Mike Evans open on a high-low combo route. There was the opportunity to, or uh, there was the opportunity for Jameis Winston to gain yards with his legs, but he was so so focused on getting the ball downfield. So again, kind of contradicts contradicts what everybody's saying about Byron today. The focus was getting the ball downfield, which is why Jameis ended up taking that sack. And then you go to the goal line stand. The play call was an RPO. This is why I said in the immediate reactions. The press conferences and, and all that stuff, that's why that stuff is so important. The RPO was called. Jameis went with the run. He didn't check into the pass. That's his decision. We'd have to ask him why he went with the run instead of the pass. But we're listening to this on Tuesday. The Buccaneers have moved on to Los Angeles. They're not talking about that anymore. So we're never going to – honestly, we're never going to know that answer. And then you come to this final kind of decisive drive. This is where I really disagree with Byron Leftwich in that in, – on that third and two, they went with the pass play instead of running. But even – on that pass play, like if Jameis Winston puts a little bit more zip on that ball, it gives Cameron Bray an opportunity to avoid Michael Thomas or at least get out at an angle where Michael Thomas's contact doesn't stop him where it does and allows Cameron Bray to fall forward for that extra three feet. And then if they do that, the very next snap is coming with a first down for the Buccaneers and it's coming with under three minutes left in regulation. And you're up six and you're, you're at midfield. You know what I mean? That's a whole different scenario than you're punting the ball to the Giants with three plus minutes, two minute warning and a timeout coming up. Um, and that's just on the offensive side. I mean, we've also got the defensive side, but I think we should probably move on to some of these voicemails. So that's just kind of my point. Again, I'm not blaming James Winston, but what I'm saying is the coaching staff, the play calls put this team in a position to be successful. The players have to execute it. And I know that the knee jerk reactions to go to the coaches because we're used to the dirt cutters. We're used to the Mike Smiths. We're used to the Lovey Smiths. We're used to the Greg Shianos. This isn't that. Like going back to last year, like you look at the scheme, you look at the play calls, you look at the play designs, like this coaching staff put their players behind the eight ball before the ball was ever even snapped. This coaching staff now, 2019, these players have options and opportunities to be successful. They're not capitalizing on all of them. That's a totally different conversation. Like I'm not freaked out. I'm not thinking, oh, you know, the season is lost. But that is what I see when I look at this stuff going on right now. All right. Well, David, I know we're we're actually probably over on time as it is, but let's go ahead and get at least one of these voicemails knocked out real quick. 
Hey guys, it's Jacob from South Carolina calling again. It's another day and another game is lost to a missed field goal. Is it bad that as a Tampa Bay fan, this feels normal? It, it doesn't feel shocking like Chicago's double doing. It feels like something that when you went up to kick, a part of your mind already thought, well, he's just going to shank it. So besides that, Tampa Bay played phenomenal. I saw a complete team yesterday. Mike Evans lit up the scoreboard. OJ Howard played awesome. And our defense did what our defense does. Don't even get me started on Shaq Barrett. Can you say defensive player of the year? Let's see. But just wanted to give my thoughts about just is it bad that this feels normal? Anyways, y'all have a good week. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for the call. I mean, yeah, it it shouldn't feel normal by any means. Uh, but we, David, we touched on this a lot yesterday. The game is not solely on Matt Gay. Um, you know, there are plenty of plenty of things that went wrong before that final kick that Matt Gay never should have been in that position to begin with. And I think it was really telling about the way this fan base, and I realize, you know, it's been years and years of ineptitude at a kicker, but it's really telling about the way this fan base handles that. When you see tweets from Jenna Lane talking about how Bucks, you can call him a legend if you'd like to, but you know, arguably the best kicker in, in team history, Martin Gramatica, he comes out and he says, you know what, this this road trip the Bucks are about to be on could not come at a better time for Matt Gay so that he doesn't have to go back to Raymond James and listen to all the boos. He can, he can get this out of his mind. He doesn't have to hear it from the fans. He gets to go elsewhere and just do his job. And we have no reason to believe at this moment in time that Matt Gay cannot bounce back. We had reason to believe why Chandler can't kick and Zaro wouldn't bounce back. We had reason to believe why Roberto Aguayo wouldn't bounce back. You know, it's he's what, 21 years old? Let's let's cut him some slack. If if everybody listening had one bad day at work, should they get fired? <laughs> no. No. We all have bad days at work. We Just all have days work. as well. <laughs> Do I? said just because the guy who came in before you sucked as well exactly you know we're all gonna have our off days but that doesn't mean that we should lose our jobs over it and and seeing some of the just disgusting things that people were saying about matt gay is inexcusable Mm -hmm. and i don't believe that any of our listeners are those kinds of people but if they are if you are one of the people that jenna lane was tweeting about if you go back and read some of her mentions talking about this story be better don't be don't be a, a disgusting human. Be better than that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. There's there's no call. There's no reason for it. Um, yeah, it does suck that Buccaneers fans are used to it. It sucks that people who are surrounded or surrounding the Buccaneers are used to it. You know, um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was watching the final kick myself, and you know, I was nervous. And and at the end of the day, it's uh, it's just it, it is what it is, man. But. Yeah, I mean, holding it, it's it's kind of like I don't know. Have, have you ever met someone who had like a really bad relationship? Let's say like say you had like a, an ex wife or someone who's like blonde and has blue eyes. So like you have every that relationship. So now every time you see someone with blonde who's blonde and blue has blue eyes, you're like, oh, that person's terrible. Like that's kind of what it is. And Bruce <laughs> talked about it in his press conference too. He said because he was asked about the history. You know what I mean? Of the kickers and all that stuff. And he said he's like, listen, it, history is history. This th- that history has nothing to do with this team. And that's kind of what I've been trying to say. Like people, 
talk about Jameis Winston and we talk about the five years. We've been over this, right? He's in his fifth year. To, uh, got it. This is his first year with his coaching staff. This is this team's first year with his coach staff. They're not even a quarter of the way into their first season in this configuration. And it's not like we're just talking about a new coaching staff with the similar ro- This roster had so much turnover during the offseason. It's going to take time. There are a lot of good things coming out of this team. There's a lot of good performances. Jameis Winston has two straight weeks where he's made really, for the for the most part, he's made some really smart decisions. Not every decision's perfect. You know what I mean? Like I said, I prefer, I think that he should have tucked and run that first sack in the second half. Okay, but those aren't the kind of mistakes we're talking about Jameis Winston doing where it's costing you games, it's costing you the, you know, the franchise and all that stuff. The, the mistakes that we're talking about that we've needed Jameis Winston to avoid for all these years, he's avoiding them for two straight weeks. Now, I'm not ready to say that Jameis is gone. It's only been two weeks, but you've got two weeks of this. Rojo, Rojo's finally turning on. Peyton Barber is still falling forward, looking good for the most part. Mike Evans, three touchdowns. Chris Godwin, two touch or a touchdown catch in two or three games to start this season. OJ Howard is slowly getting up to speed, but he still he looks. You can tell that that talent is still in there. This offensive line, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen an anti Donovan Smith tweet in a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, poor Donovan Smith. He he finally missed a snap. He left the field. Yeah, he did. And yeah, first snap he's missed in his career. But yeah, he's he's played well this year. Right. And then you look at the defense. Guys, I mean, I think it was on Evan's show on the North South podcast. I said, like, this defense is is on the verge of a letdown game. Like this defense is going to have a let they're young. They're gonna have a letdown game. And I remember whoever I was talking to, I said the key is going to be, can this offense put up enough points when that letdown comes to make up for it? We got our answer. The answer was no. They couldn't put up enough points to cover the defensive letdown. The defense had a letdown. They didn't even have a letdown game. They had a letdown half, and the offense couldn't pick them up. That's complimentary football, but they're getting there. You know what I mean? And and those you're just going to have to pay. Everybody's just going to have to be patient. Bruce Arians hasn't been here for the last 10 years. Todd Bowles hasn't been here for the last 10 years. They haven't been coaching Jameis. They haven't been coaching this defense. All, all of it. None of that stuff exists inside those walls right now. That's all outside stuff. And me personally, I don't really carry it. I mean, it's that's just kind of my approach. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's more than I planned to say. But, yes, it sucks <laughs> that you're used to it. All right, well, David, let's let's put a timer on ourselves and see how quick we can get through this uh, this final voicemail so that we don't have to leave one in the queue. Oh, this one's going to be easy because it's oh the the queue still has stuff in it, but this one's going to be easy because it's good. <laughs> it's it's not they're all good, but this one you'll any you got just just listen. You, you get it. Hey James, hey David, it's uh, Canyon from Denver. I know we're just coming off of gut wrenching loss, but I can't help but find myself kind of optimistic about this Buccaneers football team. Uh, simply for the fact is, is I see growth everywhere. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean it's a night and day difference from last year, and it's got me excited. Uh, I know it's kind of hard to stay uh, mentally invested in this team, but you know, take take the bad with the good. I'm happy with it at the end of the day. Um, hopefully next week we'll come out with the win. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, go Bucks and have a nice day. Oh, Canyon, thank you for the call, buddy. Haven't heard from you in a little while. Um, yeah, David is as upset and frustrated and, and irritated as everybody is, you know, you and, and me included. There are signs of life with this team, but it's not going to be a quick process. Here's, here's the fun, quick question for you, David. 
How many sacks is Shaq Barrett on pace to have this season? 17. <laughs> 42 and a half. That's not happening. He's on pace it. for 42 and a half. Yeah, I love it. Your single season sack leader all time. Yeah. Shaq Barrett, 42 yeah. and a half. Yeah. Get out of the way, Strahan. Who? Who's that guy? Exactly. Uh is 100 percent right. Former Giants are in my crosshairs. Lawrence Tynes is back to being a complete schmuck. Yeah, not surprised. Uh Canyon's completely right. And that's I mean, I, I don't know. Like that's I feel like that's how Rebucks fans should be approaching this thing. Um, because there is, man. There's there's a lot of growth happening on this team. There's a lot of development happening on this team. I understand that, you know, while the coaching staff and a lot of these players are here for the first time, that you've all been here for the long haul and you've been beaten and bruised and heartbroken time and time and time again. You got to try, though, man. It's like a new relationship, right? Like, that was the ex-wife. Let her go. This is the new one. You know what I mean? You got to give her a clean slate. If you don't give her a clean slate, she'll never make you happy. Uh, we talked about it during the offseason. Like, Paige talked about it. We talked about it. JC talked about it. Carmen. Everybody. Like, for Jameis, like, again, the big question this year is Jameis Winston. And what does Jameis Winston have to do? What does this team have to do? to convince people that Jameis Winston can be the franchise quarterback for this team. And almost to a T, people have said it doesn't necessarily require a playoff berth. That's where we're at with this team. Like, that's the expectation level for this team. Like, a successful season for this team may not even include a trip to the playoffs. So you're talking anywhere from 7-9 and nine to 9-7 and seven because you may not even make the playoffs. Hell, 10-6 and six might not even make the playoffs these days. You know what I mean? So... How far off is this team from seven and nine right now? They're not at all. They're they're not off track at all. It's frustrating because this team could be three and zero. Oh. You know, again, to, to kind of reference Bruce Arians' press conference today. Again, he referenced all three phases of the game clicking at the same time. Complimentary football isn't just two sides of the ball. It's all three phases. Special teams definitely let the team down. But you know, it's offense let the team down in week one. Defense let the team uh, or defense uh, the team came together in week two. Special teams let the team down in week three. You can throw a dash of the defense letting the team down there in week three. So, so far, we've seen every single unit on this team come in and do their part to lead this team to victory. Now we just got to get them to do it all on the same night. But the key is you know it's there. But think about it. But, James, this time last year, was there any thought in your mind that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was capable of winning a game for this team? No. No. <clears throat> but now, yes. The answer is yes. Um, and they better do it this week. Habit. Yeah, they better do it this week. We're supposed to take our first stab at Los Angeles, but we're we're definitely out of time. So I'm going to end it with one question, talking about the Rams. Do you think the Buccaneers can, not will, can beat the Rams? Yes. That's all I'm asking. And I agree. So the But Bucs then again, e- the Dolphins can no, win a game it. this the year. Buc- the Dolphins cannot beat the Rams <laughs> in Los Angeles. But I didn't Buccaneers- say beat the Rams. I said can win a game, but it won't happen. <laughs> okay. The the Listen, the Dolphins might be able to beat FAMU, Okay. The they can Buccaneers beat Illinois. can beat the Rams in Los Angeles in week four. That's good news. Carry that the rest of the week. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that we'll be talking about on tomorrow's crossover Wednesday episode. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have an interesting conversation because this Rams team, despite a somewhat slow start, is every bit as dangerous as they were last year. But yeah, David, That's not true at all. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Cooper Cup is 
the GOAT. Yeah, Cooper Cup's great. I'm just saying the Rams team is not anywhere near as dangerous as That's they were last year. That's because you hate Jared Goff. I'm going to refer you to my fantasy football team name, sir. You hate Jared Goff. That's your problem. But Jared Goff in Los Angeles is very different than Jared Goff at any other stadium. My professional analysis of Jared Goff as a National Football League quarterback is not good. Yes, you're correct. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Let's put the Giants game in the rearview mirror. We're on to Los Angeles. We're, we're on to Los Angeles. Hope you all have a phenomenal Tuesday, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Whatever.